content warning. This episode contains reference to and discussion about suicide. If you are sensitive to this topic, this episode might not be for you. We hope those of you who stay enjoy the episode. And as always, I love you all, except the bigots. Seven things about transgender people that you didn't know. Oh, that I, I didn't know. I'm curious. This article actually comes from the Human Rights Campaign. So okay, I'm, I'm okay. really interested in seeing uh, if you are aware of some of these facts that I'm going to let you know about. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to know. So the first one comes straight from Samaria. Around 5000 to 3000 BC, Gala were androgynous or trans priests of the Sumerian goddess Inanna. They spoke their own dialect and, born with the male gender, took feminine names as part of their priesthood. Mm-hmm. You were aware of that one? I didn't know that one. I think that that's really awesome. Sometime in 200 to 300 BC, in ancient Greece, some gods were worshipped by Galli priests, uh, which I'm wondering about that transition from Gala priests to Galli priests. Those priests wore feminine attire, identified as women, and have therefore been identified as early transgender figures. Amazing. See, see people, this is just, this has been going on for literal centuries. Millennia. Millennia. Yeah. I know we've said it many times before, but that argument that being transgender is this brand new social media phenomenon just does not hold water. In the fourth century, Anastasia the patrician, Fled life in Constantinople, not Istanbul, it's Constantinople. But it's nobody's business except the Turks. <laughs> it's nobody's business but the Turks, uh, including Anastasia. <laughs> Constantinople is the capital of the I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, also, hey, let me just say that a lot of these words so far uh, have the word Anna in them in one place or another. <laughs> I am all, I am all you... being... <laughs> You are the literal incarnation of all transgender people before you. (laughs) So what she did, and I think we actually have quite a few stories of this, uh, is that she dressed as a monk and hid out in a monastery. Some people viewed that as her transition into being a male person. Amazing. Can I just say, the clergy and the people who were documenting this stuff are the ones who kept the records. So, you know, if you were a trans farmer and you would be, like, out in the fields with your manly man overalls and whatever. They didn't have overalls, but you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) I I bet they had something like overalls. (laughs) um, You know, that wouldn't be documented. That wouldn't be kept. So, yes, we're only talking about the clergy and things like that right now. But just so you know, like, there were other trans people out there, just not documented ones. Absolutely. In South Asia... At least eight known gender-expansive identities have historically been present on the subcontinent. South Asia. Wow. South Asia. The most well-known is the Hijra, which is the third gender. Okay. Uh, people of historical, spiritual, or cultural significance in South Asian society. Huh. Uh, Hijra and individuals of diverse gender identities have been well-documented in religious and cultural texts. Amazing. Around the 18th century, the Italmans of Siberia recognized a third gender as well, called the Kokchuk, to describe individuals who were assigned male at birth but expressed themselves as women. Hey, Putin, do you hear that? Do you hear that, Putin? (laughs) Siberians in the 1800s recognized trans people. Why can't you? A hundred (laughs) percent. This one you do know. The oldest Western Institute studying LGBTQ identities was started in... Germany. Deutschland. 
1919, the Institut für Sexualwissenschaft. Uh, yeah, Die Transvestiten yeah. is the book that uh, originally started documenting trans people and sort of what they were experiencing and everything. And it was actually one of the uh, uh, biggest targets for Nazi book burnings. That's exactly right. As a matter of fact, the whole facilitate itself was destroyed under German fascism. Can't get rid of the trans people, though, Germany? Nope. Well, specifically Nazi Germany. Sorry, Germany today, you guys are pretty good towards trans people. Finally, uh, number seven, in Turtle Island, which is the indigenous name for North America, indigenous communities use the term two-spirit as a modern pan-indigenous umbrella identifier for people of another societal and ceremonial gender identity. This term was then reestablished in 1990 as a collective term for historical gender identity for those who would not consider themselves men and women. And this is a topic that we plan to get some expertise and depth in um, in a later episode. We very much want to know the lived experience of two-spirit individuals. We want to talk with experts. I don't feel comfortable tackling this topic alone, at least. Hi, I'm Anna, a transgender person. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgenda, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. Today's guest, uh, we're really excited to have, we have been talking about having this person on our podcast from the very beginning. Like before we were even a podcast, we were talking about working with and talking to our guest today. Yes. And uh, this person is my barber. Personal. Uh, my personal barber. Actually, I think she cuts other people's hair, but the only one that matters is mine. So, um, B, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. <laughs> thank yeah, you, B. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. Um, this is fun. Yeah, <laughs> I am Cam's personal barber because Cam is a big fucking deal. <laughs> <laughs> we always ask the same question of our guest, which is to have you tell us everything about yourself. Just a tiny, <laughs> a tiny little question. Leave no details, no stones unturned. <laughs> okay. So. I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. I won't tell you what part exactly. I won't tell you when, because I don't want you looking up that astrological shit on me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. I lived there for, like, the first 27-ish years of my life. I don't know. My life's kind of a blur back then. I try not to think about it too much. Uh, Understandable. You were in Salt Lake City, Utah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a great place to be from, is the way that I always word it to people. Uh, I was there for the first 27 years of my life. I grew up Mormon, which is complicated, and we'll get into that a little bit later, I think, a little bit more detailed for a second. But, yeah, I lived there 27 years. I moved to Jackson, Wyoming, because I love hiking and mountain biking. Worked there for about three years, and then it was time to make a move because Jackson is like crazy expensive. And so I was looking for somewhere, and I had the criteria of had to have good hiking and mountain biking. It had to be cold, and it had to have a relatively reasonable cost of living. And Duluth checked all the boxes. So I came and visited in October of 2019, fell in love with the place, and then moved out here in March of 2020, like literally the week the pandemic started. Like I was in the middle of my drive, actually, when everything shut down, my dad texted me like, hey, the world shut down. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you'll see. Uh, (laughs) Oh, good Lord. What a good message to get. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my dad's a smart ass like me. That's where I get it from, for sure. (laughs) uh, Yeah, so I came out here. 
And yeah, when I moved to Duluth, it was like shortly before I moved here, I kind of came out publicly as queer, uh, which is a big step for me. I'd been in the closet my whole life up until then. And yeah, I got here and I wasn't allowed to work for the first three months. I was here because barbershops were closed. And truthfully, I was actually considering quitting cutting hair because I really liked what I did. But a lot of times traditional barbershops are not exactly the most affirming place for people. I got to hear mm -hmm. a lot of things that I didn't really love racially. Um, right. Like, yeah, it was just, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Yep. So, but as time went on, I decided, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing instead. I'm going to run my own business. And so, yeah, I opened Deep Cuts in August of 2020. And I opened it as like a very publicly queer and trans friendly place. And I don't even want to say friendly because really it was more like geared towards that demographic. And I think there's a really important difference between like created with that community in mind. Right our community in mind versus like, hey, yeah, I mean, it's cool. You can hang out. Yeah, come come to the <laughs> barbershop, you know? So, yeah, I started doing that then. Um, it was it was a lot. You know, I opened a business during a pandemic, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be very, very publicly super to the left. And I was like, what's the worst that could happen? I'll just fuck up my credit and, like, not be able to live anywhere. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> um, but I'm a big believer in, like, burning the boats and leaving myself no way out. And I've been lucky because I've come up lucky every single time so far. So, yeah, I just kind of went for it. And then in December of 2020, on Christmas Day, I came out to my then partner as trans. And that's kind of a fun story. I'm going to war and there's a little bit of drug use in it <laughs> um, because I, yeah, exactly. I grew up Mormon. So I have a very complicated uh, relationship with Christmas day. So a lot of people will open gifts with their family. And what I do is I take hallucinogens instead, which is right. way, way, way more satisfying for me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah, I was watching Hedwig and the Angry Inch on mushrooms, which is my favorite movie in yes. the whole entire world, which should have been a little bit of a sign. <laughs> but I turned to my then partner. Uh, I believe it was during Origin of Love. And I was like, hey, by the way, I'm trans. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it was super nonchalant. It was pretty wild, yeah. honestly. Like, looking yeah. back, at which point, and I'm not making this up, my phone rang and it was my mother. Oh, <laughs> like, so yeah, like I'm like full in this whole experience and I'm like, I just came out to somebody and then my mom called and I answered the phone and I wasn't ready to have that conversation. So we had the Christmas day, love you type talk. And right. then all of a sudden, the phone broke up and the call dropped. Oh, <laughs> and I turned to my then partner and said, did I do that with my mind? <laughs> well, you answered my next question, which was how high were you still at this point? And, uh, oh, very doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of the, the first step for me, um, was coming out to them and, yeah, like I happened to have a few days by myself in the house a few days later, and I finally like tried on a dress and a wig, which is something I had thought about my whole life. It's really funny how like when you're going through it and you haven't fully accepted it, how much you don't recognize things, uh, because it was like I constantly thought about transitioning. Uh-huh. Like I constantly thought about it, like from the time I was a little, little kid. Right. But I was like, eh, it's just a curiosity. That's all it is. 
Like, yeah, it's a curiosity that, like, defines my entire mental space all the time. <laughs> but that's all it was, I thought, you know. And so I had had thoughts about, like, obviously trying that kind of stuff. But I think there was some level of me that knew if I, like, expressed that, it would be really hard to put it back in the box. Yep. And, yeah, I like, immediately knew. I was like, no, this is it. Like, this is who I am. And, yeah, I kind of proceeded from there. Um, so I kind of kept it quiet for quite a bit. You know, obviously people I was living with at the time, um, my roommate and such, they all knew about it, but like I wasn't out at work yet, any of that kind of thing. I was pretty nervous about it. And then on Trans Day of Visibility of uh, 2021, I was like, I'm just going to pull the bandaid off. And so yeah. I made a public post about it. And I was very, very blunt about it, where I was like, hey, here's the thing. This is who I am. Um, I'm going to ask that you don't call me my old name. The funny thing about being trans is it doesn't knock a razor out of my hand. It doesn't affect how my clippers work. It doesn't affect anything <laughs> about how I cut your fucking hair. And so, yeah, I, I said that and I only lost a few people and, you know, tough shit. They can go. They can get a bad haircut from someone else. That's fine. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, like the, the amount of support I got was pretty overwhelming, honestly, because, you know, I had opened, you know, as I said, like geared towards that community. So I had kind of this built in level of support and uh i have a lot of people that come in here that talk to me about the fact that you know i they they feel so good leaving which is incredibly rewarding for me but i think one of the things that gets missed by a lot of folks that they don't realize is my clientele afforded me the comfort to feel comfortable to be who i am and i yeah. i just feel like i can never really fully repay that to be honest with you um it really means a lot to me um, you're gonna have to like get used to the fact I'm a fucking crying bitch, so that's gonna happen a couple times. <laughs> um, I'm extremely emotional, and I'm okay with that. And that's one of the nice things about when you finally drop the axe, so to speak, is I'm free to really be who I am and express the way that I really feel about things. And that's just an extremely freeing feeling. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm highly aware of the privilege in which I have in that I do own my own business and I know that that's something a lot of people can't do. And I also know that, you know, it allows me to talk the way that I talk. Like I, the way I'm talking to y'all right now, that's like how I talk in my business. Like people can kind of take it or leave it. And thankfully a lot of people take it, at least the right people take it is the way I'd put it. Do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron 634 Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cash back from Upside. I show up for it. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. I want to hear a joke, and I want to talk about nineties. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I'm really yeah, okay. Be, make each other feel relevant. <laughs> can I just say? Can I just say? I'm very happy that he has you as a barber because I swear to God, every time he tries to make a reference, I feel like I am out of the blue in everything. 
um he'll say something and i'm like what the fuck did you just say to me so thank you so thank you for fulfilling that need for me for him and for me you know that's what i'm here for is just to validate cam that's my entire purpose Uh, um, oh god yeah and I, I mean it's like one of those things i i legitimately love what i do and i know a lot of people say that and i've worked a fair amount of different gigs over the years and i truly feel like i'm somebody who can say that and be completely truthful about it. i look forward to going to work um oh, i had a bit so of a personal crisis yeah a little while ago and it was kind of it was first of all it was very sweet because i had probably 30 different people reach out to me which was just overwhelming but everyone was like, hey, you're going to take time off work. And I was like, absolutely not. That's where I want to be. That's where yeah. I feel the happiest and where I feel the safest. Because, like, I tell people this all the time. I essentially, you know, obviously I give a haircut. But at the end of the day, like, I really kind of get paid to bullshit with my friends because my <laughs> clients are my friends. So it's yeah. not a bad gig if you can pull it off. I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, and so, like, yeah, it's been great. I have a couple other stylists that I work with, an esthetician and you know, we're like a family, like we really are. It's, it's something that people say a lot at different jobs. And in our case, like, I really feel like it's true. We went down to the cities yesterday as a team building activity. And we went to the Frank Turner concert and we went to the uh, sculpture park. And like, it's a lot better than most of the seminars that people go to for team building activities kind of yeah. thing. Like I legitimately yeah. look forward to seeing the people I work with. And I like, I always refer to deep cuts as my island of misfit toys. <laughs> like that's oh, what we are to me yeah like, and i don't just mean the people that work here i mean the people that come in you guys are like all my misfits and i fucking love that about <laughs> the people that come in here because like i don't want to hear like super normal stories like i i had somebody in here for the first time today and i was like what do you like to do for fun and they looked at me and they said recreational drugs and i was like all right let's talk <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a quick answer. Yeah, I was like, all right, let's go. I want to talk about this. This is great. You're my kind of folk. Um, oh. Like, there's a part of me that would really like to get a job at one of the franchise salons and just talk about, like, the way that I talk here <laughs> and see how long before they fire me because I think it'd be like, well, they're talking about doing cocaine back in the day, but they can really fucking fade, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is your, your YouTube series. I think it's ready to go. You need to yeah. uh, infil- infiltrate other big, big box uh, haircutters and see how quickly you can get fired. <laughs> no, yes. You know, B, I, I just want to say as somebody who hasn't gone to your salon, but who has seen your work and how happy it makes my father and other people who I know who have gone to you. Do you get any gender euphoria? Do you get any other cool experiences from being able to help people feel themselves, feel their best, things like that? Oh, absolutely. Like it, it absolutely is the case. Like I, I feed off of other people's euphoria and, um, specifically younger folks. Um, this is a pretty special story to me. Uh, before I came out publicly, there was, there was a young kid. I'm not going to use their name cause they're minor. I don't have to talk about them, but <laughs> I had a day off and I was at yoga. It was like one of the first times I'd gone out in femme clothing and I got a message from a parent that said, my kid needs a haircut like today. And I was like, okay, well, it's like my day off. So you might have to wait. And they said, well, my kid is non-binary and they tried to cut their own hair because they were having um, some serious dysphoria and they have to go to school tomorrow. And I said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
So I was dressed in full femme and I'd never worked in that. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to work like this. It's like, they're not going to care. So I went to work and I cut this kid's hair and they were just so ecstatic when I got done and I gave them the haircut that they wanted and to see the look on their face when they saw himself in the mirror. Like, you can't put a price on that. Like, I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. I could have made a lot more money opening a quote-unquote regular barbershop, but I chose not to because, like, money doesn't matter to me that much. Mm-hmm. Like, it really doesn't. You can't, like, they don't put a freaking luggage rack on a hearse. You can't take that shit with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, it was really cool. Um, side note, it's my day off. Shop's technically closed. There's a knock at the door. I was like, okay. So I go and open the door. And it was my regular UPS driver with the delivery. And God damn, if that wasn't the most awkward thing ever. <laughs> but, like, I mean, it was okay. All right. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And then, like, handed me the package like it was a bomb. You got out of here. <laughs> I mean, when you say ripped the Band-Aid off, you mean ripped the fucking Band-Aid off. Like, truly. Yeah. Like, truly, full truly. on, just, wow. As, like, I... I did not have that story. I was very cautious and calculated in how I came out and hearing just drop in the bomb and just fucking live in your best life. I love that so much. That is so, that, that makes me euphoric to hear. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I really appreciate like being able to do that for younger folks specifically. Now that the second part to that story, like when a bad thing can become a good thing. I had a friend, um, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast here in Duluth specifically are probably going to know who I'm talking about, but I had a friend who was trans who, uh, unfortunately, I hate that I'm speaking about them in the past tense right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Take your time. So his name was Evan, um, and he was very special to me. He was one of the first people I came out to not a lot of people know this but evan knew i was trans before anyone else did i talked to him about it for a while and kind of how to navigate that and he was one of the sweetest people i've ever met he lost a battle with depression which happens and particularly in our community and it's very very sad and so i started a fund in his name called the friends of evan fund where folks can donate money to pay for haircut services for trans folks that can't afford to pay for them because they're going through something or whatever reason just can't afford to do it and i want to i want to be able to take care of them and so i started that in his honor well this kid that i cut their hair them had told me during that that they always had dreamed of having pink hair (laughs) and i knew that the family was probably not in a financial situation to make that realistic and so when the fund had some extra money i reached out to the parent and said hey i want to cover this like i want to pay for this and i was like it's a fund that's what it's there for and uh, i was giving the kid a haircut before they did the color because i don't do color because First of all, I'm partially colorblind, so that would not be ideal. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, good. in all fairness, I didn't know until about two years ago. <laughs> because like color just looks like color to me. I didn't realize that my blue-green spectrum is all fucked. So until somebody else pointed it out to me, like, no, that's like that's clearly blue. And I was like, no, that's that's green. Um, so I took an eye test. I was supposed to be able to see 26 shades of uh, green, and I could see 14. So that's a bit of an issue if you're going to do color. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I, I gave him the haircut and I, I told them, I was like, can I tell you something really cool? 
And they said, what? I said, did you know that you were the first person whose hair I ever cut dressed this way as myself? Oh. And they looked up at me and they were crying and they said, that is the biggest honor. And so like, that is why I do what I do is because I do care so much about it. And it brings me joy to bring other people joy. Like a haircut is not just a haircut to me. It, it is so much more than that. It is something that makes you feel a certain way about yourself. And I know how it feels for me. I mean, I'm very fortunate to work with some really amazing stylists who yeah. take care of my wigs for me. Um, all, oh. all of the wigs that I, I wear are all custom. Um, they, you cannot find these wigs anywhere else. Like they're one of a kind and they're going to stay that way. Sorry, folks. <laughs> and so, no, they're yeah. too pretty to share with the world. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's really, I know what it does for me. And to be able to pass that forward to other people, like you, you cannot put a price on that. Folks don't think about it this way, but like on top of the fact of that euphoria, like it can literally make you safer. There are situations as those of us on a, you know, where passing can save you from having a problem or just feeling more confident, you know? Yeah. B, I cannot tell you how many times like I have, I have experienced that. It is more than I'd like to count. And I am so honored to hear about these things and be able to have you on the podcast, be able to talk about this. Um, you know, I know that this is heavy and hard for you to talk about. And I just want to say, I, you know, we support you on this podcast. We love you. Um, and I want to, can, can we just give a moment of silence for Evan? Is that okay? That'd be perfect. Thank you very much. So, um, coming a little bit off of that intense feeling of yeah, let's talk about something light like the uh, news. euphoria. And... <laughs> <laughs> the world is burning down right now. Excellent. Um, I I just want to kind of talk a little bit about what do you do that makes you feel euphoric? We talked about you have some wigs, you dress really femme. I loved seeing you out at Trans Joy Fest and living your best life. Can you just give me some some juicy deets on like how you yourself are able to feel comfortable and confident and you know, live in your best life? Yeah, I mean, for me, it like um, anyone who's met me or been in the shop can tell I'm a little bit obsessed with punk rock. It's kind of been a big <laughs> thing in my life. And it's like, it's really gotten me through some pretty tough times. Like, I truly believe I wouldn't have made it through Salt Lake if I wasn't into the punk rock scene. And so for me, as weird as it sounds, like when I first started dressing femme and going out in public, it's like, you know, like kids these days, y'all have it so easy. No, not really. But like, <laughs> it's one of those things, like, literally, I got my ass kicked for having orange hair in Salt Lake one time, like just for having orange hair. Um, and so... It was kind of wild because at first, in particularly, like I would go out and I like I'd get some stares, and there was a weird part of it. It was like I fucking feel like a punk rocker again. <laughs> like I missed this a little <laughs> bit on some sick level. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, that's a, like that was a big thing. Is I'm a big believer, and I always have been. Like I wish I'd been better about doing this for myself than other people, but I've always been like, you should be who you are. Like that's what you should do. And so now that like I've embraced it. Like, it's just awesome. Like, that, nothing makes me happier than 
to put on my favorite dress and to go out for a jog or whatever like that kind of stuff makes me very happy and also i used to do stand-up i really like putting people in their place it's a favorite pastime of mine at this point and like i i've had uh incidents lately that like for a lot of people probably would have been 100 percent deflating and i can appreciate why but i'm quick on my feet and i turned it into something that was fun for me <laughs> by making them very uncomfortable that's one of my favorite things in the whole world is making folks completely uncomfortable like i had a situation wherein um I don't want to say the name of the business, so we'll call it Mr. Benjamin's. Um, <laughs> I was in there, and but this is not their fault. I'm going to throw that out there. But I, ha I had somebody who was staring at me, a middle-aged cis white guy, and they've been staring at me all night. So I finally made eye contact with them, and I was just like, hi, how are you? And they were like, I'm confused. I said, yeah, I fucking see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, like, it was one of those things. That they, they said to me, all right, here's how it's going to go down, which, for the record, terrible way to start a conversation with someone like me. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, I'm going to buy a drink for me. I'm going to buy a drink for you. And then we're going to be cool. And I was like, we're not cool right now? No, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. I just I want to make sure I'm safe. At which point I put my hand right next to him on the bar and said, what exactly do you think I'm going to do to you, honey? <laughs> um, and he's like, no, I just want to make sure I'm good to walk around the same hood as you, which is a great thing to hear from a, like a 45-year-old white man from Minnesota, say hood. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And would not give up on buying me a drink. So finally I was like, yeah, fine. And he goes, what would you like? I was like, Jameson. He goes, that's Irish whiskey. You know that, right? I was like, yeah, that's why I'm fucking ordering it. <laughs> <laughs> and so this this guy says to me, with those big tits and that purple hair, <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, man, the only thing my tits have to do with me drinking Jameson is I don't usually have to pay for the shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I like to I like to make people that try to make me uncomfortable like uncomfortable. Like it's kind of a weird thing that gives me euphoria, which is a strange thing to get euphoria from, but. Like, I really do feel like coming out and being publicly who I am in such a way, it has given me a confidence that I never had before. Um, yeah. Like, I I just, I feel very empowered and I stand up for myself and I'm very proud of myself for that. It's something I didn't used to do. Absolutely. I, I just want to say, as a queer person who lives in northern Minnesota and has struggled with people who stare and things like that, I wish I had your confidence in that because that is <laughs> fucking amazing. I was going to ask you to do your tight five uh, on the podcast here, but I guess you just did. <laughs> yeah, legitimately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a blessing and a curse because, like, I, I find myself carrying around a leather notebook that I'm like, absolutely terrified someone's gonna find because i just use like footnotes <laughs> and it's like it's it's just the ramblings it's just total ramblings if you saw it and you had no idea you'd be like this person needs to be committed this is not good <laughs> serial killers journal yeah for sure <laughs> so b um i want to switch a little bit back to maybe a serious topic but you know it's something that we talk about a lot with our guests on the show and you just feel free to to do so with as much comfort but i'm thinking about that christmas call with your mom Tell us a little bit about your people in your world and, and how folks have, have reacted aside from 45-year-old cis guys at bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm happy to talk about that, actually. Um, I am extremely fortunate in a lot of ways with that. Uh, like I said, I grew up Mormon. I don't, for those of you who don't know, 
yeah, not okay the way I am uh, in most of that religion. A lot of people have a big problem with that. Um, and my father is a great guy. He really is. Um, and he was the first person in my family that I called because I knew that he would have my back no matter what. And I'm just very fortunate to have that kind of a relationship with my father. And so I called and I told him. And my mother loves me to death. She's also very religious. So I was a little concerned about how that might go down. And my dad said, I, I will, how about this? I'll tell your mom and we'll call you back. And he was like, you know, it's one of those things. I know she loves you. I know she's going to accept it. He's like, but I'll be honest. She might not say the best thing when she hears it. And I don't want you to experience that. Oh, oh, um, that's so thoughtful. That is really, yeah, thoughtful. it really is. And so, yeah, like he was super accepting of it. Uh, my sister was amazing about it. Um, my mom did end up calling me a little bit later. And I, admittedly, at first, she was having a hard time with it. Um, but she did tell me, like, you know, I love you. And I love you no matter what. Like, I'll be honest. I don't get this. But I do love you. And I want you to know that that never changes. That can't ever change. Um, fast forward a couple of weeks. And it's kind of interesting because I got a call from her kind of out of the blue. And she works with a trans woman who I owe a case of beer I've never met um, <laughs> because she had had a conversation with this woman about what had happened. And after talking to her, it really changed my mom's perspective. And my mom called me to say, I'm really sorry that my initial reaction was to worry about how this is making me feel. She's like, B, you kept that inside for 32 years. I cannot imagine what that is like. That's really. And so I, yeah, I was really fortunate with that. I mean, unfortunately, I, my brother and I were like best friends growing up and he doesn't talk to me anymore, which is like, it's, it's tough. Uh, but you know, three out of four will keep you in the major. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I mean, overall, I feel like people have been really supportive and I do want to say like for anyone who is um, listening, who maybe might not be ready to take that step. I will be honest with you on both the good and the bad. It's not always the way you think it's going to go down. There are people who I thought were going to be just completely horrified by it, who have been my biggest allies and cheerleaders in this whole thing. And unfortunately, there are other people where I was like, you're going to have my back, and they bailed. But yeah. it's a really good way to, to like kind of thin the herd, so to speak, in your life. And I'm a big fan of cutting people out that like are not doing good. Like If I hang out with you and you make me feel worse, if I feel worse when I'm done talking to you, we're probably not going to hang out again. Like I'm yeah. at that point in my life where yep. you know, I'm willing to kind of trim that off. We do have a couple of younger listeners, people who are still living with their parents, things like that. And to all of those people, I just want to say too, like your journey is your journey. Take as much time as you need. But I do have to say, at least for me, and it sounds like for you as well, B, like it, it is something that we carry and it weighs down on us. And it's really kind of a lifesaver literally keeping you afloat it, once you kind of get that off your chest and are able to not even express yourself just be able to get have more people know have more people take that load off of you who you know you're not anxious about anymore because you know their reaction um i know one of the biggest scares for me was coming out to people because i never knew how they were going to react and i always thought of the best or the worst case scenario and it's just not something that happens, you, you know, it, it always is different, like you were saying. So I just wanted to back you up there and say to all my baby trans, whether you are 105 or five years old, you are loved. Here is a safe space and come out at your own time. But I do want to say that it, it does take a load off of you. And so, you know, it's absolutely it's important to 
be honest with yourself and be honest with those around you when you are really hurting and need some support. Yeah, and I, I do have to say to that end, it's like never, ever feel ashamed for the fact. First of all, oh. never feel ashamed for who you are. Never Absolutely feel not. Who you are. Everyone listening, and that that goes for everyone. I don't care yes. what your identity is. Never feel ashamed of who you are. You should be true to yourself. Your instinct is your true God. Listen to it. Well, I'm um, sorry. There yeah, is I'm one sure person. The Christians are going to love that I said that, but. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is one person who I want to uh, retract that offer from, and that is fucking Mitch McConnell. Um, <laughs> you, my good sir, do not deserve that. <laughs> don't, don't be yourself. Be, be don't somebody, be yourself. Literally anyone else. <laughs> literally anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, I'll amend the common phrase of just be yourself unless you're an asshole, in which case it's probably very, very hard to be someone else. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I know like, it's just one that you shouldn't be ashamed of that. And like, if you're struggling, regardless of the reason, if you're struggling, please reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody. Like, you're never al- as alone as you feel like you are. You never are. And I think that's just an important thing for people to know. Um, you know, it's the like, let's be real. There's a, there's a certain portion of the world. It's the whole ugly kind of thing you don't want to meet. But the other part of it is, you know, what keeps me going um, through all the stuff, like obviously in the news, there's been a lot of anti-trans things going on. But the other part of it is too, I have a lot of clients who've come into me and have been coming to me since the beginning who I'll be real with you. I'm aware we're not comfortable when they came in and I had transitioned, it really threw them off, but they become some of my best friends. And it's because we've been able to understand each other. And the only way to have understanding is to meet people where they're at and just show them like, I'm not scary. Like I have one client in particular who after a few months, I knew they were very conservative. And once we'd gotten very um, comfortable, I just one day at the end of their haircut, I whispered in their ear. Now do you believe I just want to take a piss and get out? and they they got a good kick out of that and they were like yeah they admitted to me like honestly i'd never actually talked to a trans person before i met you yeah and it's i mean that's the thing is like a lot of i I truly believe that like most people are good people and most people don't want to hurt people's feelings yeah there's assholes out there there was somebody who came in today that like for the first time in a long time i was like that person is not allowed to book anymore here oh jeez wow yeah i mean it was one of those things they were misgendering me and they were corrected and they've continued to do so. And yeah, I mean, I, I, not all money is good money and I don't need theirs. That's the way that I look at that. Um, and so, but the other side of it is that's one person out of literally thousands of haircuts I've given at this point. And I can count the amount of bad things like that that have happened in the shop on one hand. And that's fucking gorgeous. That is amazing. So good. And I'm so excited for my next cut with you B as always. (laughs) B, I, I love my to have you. I love my stylist. I might need to switch. I'm sorry. Uh, you know who you are, but uh, whew, you, B, you and I have a lot of shit to talk about. I think. Yeah, just yeah. go for a session. It's like therapy, Anna. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, Anna, too. Like, it's there's this thing where sometimes I don't cut hair and I go and hang out with people, so we can totally oh, do that. Too. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, God, you've covered so much ground, B, and um, thank you for being so candid and open and, uh, and fucking I'm hilarious as always. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. We've been trying to get you on. Sorry for all the technical difficulties. Um, all of our listeners just know that we probably spent a good... 
20 minutes trying to troubleshoot yeah, before easily. this episode. So, um, you know, B, we because really appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, B, we really appreciate you. We want to keep up your good work. And um, listeners, please, if you have the resources, if you have the funds, please go and donate um, to any cause that you like, but especially B's cause here. That would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And like, yeah, thank you. Thank you all for having me on so much. And like, yeah, like uh, Ono saying, you know, Friends at Evan Fund is something that I'm really passionate about. And I'm very, very proud to say, uh, and I know this would make Evan very, very happy. Um, I have given away, well, I guess I should say the people of Duluth have given away because they're the generous yeah. ones over $2,000 in services. And that is fucking cool. That's, That's amazing. That's super rad. Uh, we'll include a um, link to that in our resources uh, for the episode description as well. All right. Thank you so much. So, Anna, do you have a gender euphoria for us for today? Yeah. So I know that our interview with B got a little bit heavy at certain points, and I just wanted to kind of wrap all of that conversation up in sort of a neat little bow by talking about my own experience. This is going to be a gender euphoria, I promise, but... It's going to be a little bit heavy and dark, so just prepare yourself. So when I was 18, I was living all around Minnesota. I was camping. I was working um, on historic buildings and historic places. And we ended up in a place called Pope County, which nothing against Pope County. I honestly really enjoyed my time there once I was able to start expressing myself more. But I was basically living with perfect strangers, barely knew anybody who was, I was living with. Um, and it is a lot of farmland, a lot of conservative people. And really, my only friend was somebody who I barely knew who I was working with at the time. So it was it was really scary to be a queer person, let alone a queer trans person. And and not not an out trans person. And, and not that, an out trans an person. Part of the yes. story, too. Yeah, exactly. And so I was really struggling one night. It was about our second night when we were down there. We were staying for about 10 days. And I reached one of the lowest points of my entire life where I had seriously considered suicide. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of that. Please do not ask me about that. Um, but I knew that I needed to come out at that point because it was either I die as somebody who I wasn't comfortable with, who I wasn't, who, you know, was never me, um, or come out and live the life that I had been dreaming about for a decade or more at that point. I called or I texted with uh, my girlfriend at the time and I texted with you, my father. I remember. Asking for help, asking for that support. And I ended up coming out at that, that night to um, the sort of like leader of that time. We all traded off leader positions and things like that. But um, she was the one who was kind of in charge at that point and I came out to her, talked about, um, you know, kind of my experience, what I was feeling, and she was really supportive, thank God. Um, and she she was super helpful. Um, and then that helped me kind of stabilize enough to where I could finish the job and feel okay, got home, whatever. The next time that we were all out, everybody was together. So there was a group of, I think, about 16, 18 of us, and um, we were split into two different groups and sent to different projects. Well, for this next project, we were all together. And at that point, um, I gathered everybody together. I was one of the leads on this one. And um, I came out over a fire cooking. You know, we all had, had dinner and 
came out at that point and um wait you came out over a fire they were I came... roasting you yeah like, no you can't <laughs> cook me i'm trans <laughs> you know those people were my found family as much as we were pushed together by circumstances and i will forever thank them and all of you who are listening if any of you guys who are on that core are listening like i Honestly, you guys saved my life, and I just, I want to thank all of you. All of my listeners, please know that you guys help keep me going every day, too, and I appreciate all of that. So, there is there is a life for you. If you're a closeted trans person, if you are struggling with your identity, whatever it might be, please, there are other options for you. There are plenty of Ha- there's plenty of happiness in the world that will come to you um and of course take as much time as you need but i i hope and i honestly kind of pray every day that no other trans person will ever have to get to the point where i was at where i was considering suicide and that forced me to come out um and to all of my trans individuals all of my queer individuals who have committed suicide to those of you who know somebody who's committed suicide because of their identity because of the struggles please let's let's just make sure that we are always supporting each other and take a second to just remember all of those getting through that i mean that that was one of the darkest times i've i've seen you in and um it was really important that you had a found family and community around you to make that work yeah so although this is kind of the darkest gender euphoria we've had on the podcast. This is probably the most imp- impactful and important to me as this is when I came out. And I honestly, I think about that really frequently because man, the place I could have been a nobody who, um, you know, was not me and I would have been buried the wrong me and everything. And uh, now today having a following so large that I can impact people and, um, I just want to say a thank you to all of you. Um, and also, to those of you who are in that place, there are resources, the Trevor Project, the um, Trans Lifeline, things like that. So please reach out for help if you need it. I don't know about local resources. I know in the U.S., they are trying to launch the 988 number. They did um, launch. They did launch it. It's had, it's had some problems, though. Oh, so, you know, okay. yeah. Um, so if you are... Um, in a mental health emergency or anything like that, please call 988, call 911, whatever the situation might be. You are not alone. There is help. And I love you all. If you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning, and you'd like to talk to us about it on the show, please shoot an email to questions at transgenderpod.com, click the chat with us button on our website, or DM us on social media. Be sure to check out our episode description for links to resources on today's topics, specifically the uh, Friends of Evan campaign, the Trans Lifeline, the Trevor Project, and uh, Deep Cuts, because Deep Cuts That's made where me I gay. I get my hair done. You can't have her. <laughs> <laughs> She's mine. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgender. Love you all, except the biggest. Bye.